Well, uh, we live in uh, a world in which right now and in our culture there is a great deal of confusion about what it means to be male and female. In fact, many even reject these what are called binary terms, that there is either one or another. And uh, many in our culture prefer to define these things themselves. God's word here for us is very instructive, but it's very encouraging. I want you to find great encouragement in this passage today. Because Christ has given us hope through all of these things. What we will see in this passage is more clarity on what it means to be male, on what it means to be female. We will see some of God's, more of God's created intention with His design for who we are. We will get clarity on why when we look at people in our society and we make sense of male and female, we will be able to discern more clearly why there are uh, people that are more like uh, male in a certain way and in another way. In other words, when we look at certain men, uh, we can see that men are the same, but yet they're not the same. Men can be a certain way or another way. As we look at women, we can see the same. Certain women are like this, certain women are like that. And what makes the difference? So I want us to go through this, and I want us to see the hope of what God has done here, which remains on our lives, and I want us to see through this uh, the work of Christ bringing us through what is called the curse of sin from God. So we will look at this in three parts. First, there's this curse to the woman, which is an archetypal thing, a thing that is reflected in all women through this age. The curse to the man, which again is an archetypal curse, which reflects the experiences of men throughout this age. And then we will see more clearly this hope that ends this little section, that is a hope from God. Now the reason we want to look at it in these terms is because we're not guessing at the outcome of what this curse means for us. As Christians, we can see, as we read in Romans 8, that God has given us clarity that he has put something on everything that he has made. It's because of Adam. And the book of Romans in chapter 8, which we read earlier, shows us that this is causing us to groan. In fact, it says everything in creation, all the animals are under this burden. All the, all the trees, all the things in this world are sort of groaning, it says. All creation. Why? Because of what happened with Adam. And this is reverberating in our lives. If we understand this, we will also understand the hope that we have through it. That we are subjected to this for a time, but there is something beyond this because of Christ. Okay, now let's get into this. Uh, we begin with this idea um, of, of uh, a curse where God addresses first the woman. Now in the context here, he had just cursed the serpent, which we looked at last week. But the curses to the woman and then the man are different. They are of a different kind. Before the curse to the serpent, God actually addressed and questioned the man and the woman. They gave an answer, and then he cursed the serpent, and now he's addressing them. And he's saying, he says this to the woman. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. 
Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, and he shall rule over you. Now, there's sort of a two-part curse to the female. We will see that there is a two-part curse to the male. And these are a reflection that correspond with the way God made them, male and female. To the woman, she's cursed in life-giving and in helping. God gave these blessings and these roles to the woman. He made her as a complement, where Adam needed help, and God said, I'm going to make someone that's perfect, and she'll come alongside him, and together they will have dominion over all of my creation. So she will be the armor bearer. She will be the ezer. Remember that word, the helper that he needs so that together they will fulfill this mandate that I have given over all creation. She was also to be a life giver. When God said to multiply, to be fruitful and multiply, what that meant was they are image bearers, and the woman has this specific blessing of being able to give life in a way that is unique to this gender, to bear children, which are image bearers, to fill this creation of God's, so that it can be... It could be filled with God's image bearers, and it could be perfect. This has been God's plan. The curse to her reflects these two things. She is made to be a life giver, and now that very giving of life, which it says, God says, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Okay? Now, when a, when a woman gives birth, and we have some people that are experts in this, in the medical field, we could ask, and she would say, yes, there is great pain in the process of birthing a child. But this is not something that is only for the women who conceive and bear children. This is over all the females in this world. It begins around the age of 13 at puberty, and it is a a painful thing that is now on all women in this world. And it endures through menopause. That is a big word for you. We're not going to explain all these details in the large gathering. But we all understand childbearing is a curse, even if you don't have children, okay? And it is something that is an enduring pain. Look at that word. I will multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. This is a a curse that is unique to females that reflects and that corresponds to the way God intended it to be in creation. Because there was a rejection of this, there's also another aspect to this curse. Now this one is a little more hard to unfold, so we have to do a little work. Where it says this, it says, your desire, in the ESV it says, your desire desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. In other translations you will read, your desire shall be for your husband. Now which is it? Is it for? Is it contrary? Well, the key to understanding this is to look at the context. What does the word desire mean? Okay, So we do that. Um, And we can look up where this word in the Hebrew is only found three times in all the Bible. It's only used one other time by Moses in the whole of the Pentateuch. And it happens to be in the next chapter. In Genesis chapter 4, this word shows up again. And the context is where Cain is being addressed by God. You remember that Uh, Cain and Abel made sacrifices to God. God had regard for Abel's. He did not have regard for Cain's. 
And Cain was angry, and his face was fallen. You could just picture a sullen man who says, like, I don't like this. He's, he's rebelling in his heart. And God says this to him. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now the picture of sin here is, is sort of uh, put in the terms of an animal, of a, of a beast that wants to pounce. It's crouching. It's waiting. Sin wants to, its desire is for you. But you, contrary to it pouncing on you, you must rule over it, he says to Cain. Now, so therefore, what does this desire mean? Well, the, the desire is a desire to take control, to, to, to pounce on top of and to take control of it. Now we take that word and go back to chapter 3. What is this curse to the woman? It says, uh, your desire shall be contrary to or for your husband, but he shall rule over you. Now, this corresponds for the woman with what she did in the garden. She was deceived. She took the fruit. She ate it. She gave it to her husband who was with her and he also ate her role from God was to help him. She knew something of this, and she rejected that role, and she took control in that situation. God says, okay, you will have a desire to take control of your husband, to be the one that steers the ship, to be the one who, uh, takes, uh, who usurps the authority, and it will not work. You will feel the pain of this. So, this desire being contrary to, now we, we consider this, it reflects what she was made to be, a woman, as a life giver and as a helper to rule over all of God's creation with Adam. When she rejected that, she was rejecting God. And God says, I'm going to give you pain in childbearing, and I'm going to give you this situation where you will feel the difficulty of this desire to usurp. Now, not all women are walking around conniving all day long for how they can take control of things. Okay? Now, we shouldn't understand it in that way. What God is saying is this. He's saying this desire will be something that will, will show you the pain of the error of going away from how I made you to be. What we see in these curses is this, something that's in common before we turn to the man's curse. We see this. God is our creator, and he designs a way for us to live. And part of that is making us male and female. And as God has done that, he's shown us, my way is best. But in the curses, what we see is, as you rebel against this, as you veer off into a different direction... The curses correspond to that veering off in such a way that we feel pain in going away from God's ways. We will specifically feel this pain. So you will find women who um, completely dominate their husbands, who, who um, reject this kind of authority when it is God-given, and who will feel the pain of this. But you'll also see women that are aligned with God's ways, 
who, who are the way God intended for Eve to be in the garden before the curse, in God's redemptive purposes. Um, he gives us the grace to start walking in those ways. But he doesn't remove the pain of the whole curse, so we are subjected to that still. And we see that the same for the man. Now, we, we actually had a conversation about this in Sunday school this morning, and these are the kinds of things where we're uncovering some very basic things in this passage. This could be a conversation that could keep us here all day, all week, all year. So much in this world will, will reveal to us what is here in such concentrated detail. What I want to do right now is ask you to do this. Observe the world around you. Observe men and women in light of these things. See what you find, okay? See if your eyes aren't open to observe these things being played out in relationships and in people around you. Now, let's turn to the man. Again, there is an appropriate and corresponding curse to the man. Let's look at this. So we get to the next few verses, and God addresses Adam. To Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Okay, I'm just going to pause there. We'll get back to the rest of this. Remember what Adam did when God showed up and they were filled with shame and they were trying to hide themselves? God addressed Adam. And when God addressed Adam, Adam made an excuse. God says, what have you done? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And Adam said, the woman that you gave, she gave me some, and I ate it. Like, I'm blaming her, and I'm blaming you, God. What I did is really not the big deal. But God won't have it. And the way God addresses Adam is very much in the way that I think what you see through the rest of Scripture, what we get in the day of judgment, where God will, God will judge all people, and people will give an account for everything that we've done. And on that day when people make excuses, on that day when people diminish this and say, I, I was doing things for you, God, God will answer with the truth. God will say, this is the way it is. You knew quite well what was right and what was wrong. And this is the decree. And that's the tone of what he says to Adam. So the Lord says to him, who is the judge of all the earth, he says, Adam, this is the heart of what you did wrong. I put you in authority. I gave you the command. I told you to keep my word. And this is where you went wrong, Adam. Because you listened to the voice of your wife, contrasted with this, and did not, and, and ate from the tree, about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. What did Adam do wrong? He was given the authority to keep and guard God's word. God is saying, I put this on your shoulders, Adam. You were supposed to take responsibility. You were the man. You were to have headship over all of my creation. And you were supposed to do that by keeping my word. And what did you do, Adam? You turned away from obeying my word. Friends, when you are in an authority position, male or female, when God gives you authority, your responsibility is to, to take that under God 
okay, and to, to keep God's word in your role, in whatever he entrusts to you. Men, in your families, in your homes, specifically pay attention to this. In our society in general, in our world in general, there is a rejection of authority. Men need to learn this. This corresponds to the way that Adam failed. And men have to learn this. When God gives you authority and responsibility, you have to understand the the second part of that. You might shy away from authority because you don't want the responsibility. You don't want to have to answer for it. You don't have to deal with the difficulty of saying it will be this way and not that way. But if you are put in a position of authority, you must answer to God for that responsibility. The word is responsibility that comes with authority. That's what we see. It was on his shoulders. And when he fell, when he sinned, everything under him suffered. Look at how it continues. Everything under him. He says, First of all, he says, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. He will have pain in doing this. And it's an enduring pain. Everything, though, under him experiences this same pain. Everything in creation is, is groaning. Being male, being female. There's so much confusion about that. But work itself is cursed. There is so much here. Um, Adam was responsible. That's what you have to understand. You have to also understand this, that there was a correlation of the two aspects of what God made Adam to do. God made Adam to have authority with that responsibility, and God made Adam to work. Work is a good thing. Work is not in itself bad. But what God does here to the man and to everyone who works in this creation now, under him, there is pain There wasn't pain before sin. Now there's pain. There wasn't pain in childbearing before, but now there's pain with that. And this word is the same word that's used for the curse of the woman. And the big note of these curses is that word pain. God subjects us all to pain in this world. We cannot get out from the pain of childbearing. We cannot cannot get out from the pain of toil but we can recover from the other aspects of this. From despising and rejecting authority, we both can realign, male and female, with what God has given us to do and to be. Now for us, uh, this doesn't mean that in society women can't do like all, all kinds of things. What it means is specifically for us that in the home and in the church, God has designated authority to be on the shoulders of In the church, qualified men. In the home, it is on the husband and the father to have this authority on his shoulders. And in this way, we have to take this responsibility and know that we have to be the the ones that where the, the word of God is kept, where what happens in our homes and in our churches is guarded according to God's word. Okay? Uh, this, I know, brings up lots of questions. You have to understand this. this. The pain and the curse under which we groan and labor correlates to the rebellion against God. So this is what God is doing. You have to think through this. What is the purpose of the curse? 
Well, first of all, it's an incredible mercy from God that there is a curse. As you think about it, God said, you will surely die. After they ate that fruit, it's a miracle of God's wonderful love and grace that there is another word to read in the Bible. Because God stayed engaged with us. Do you see that? Like He could have just wiped us out, and it's done. There, was, there were these people called humans at one point, but they're gone now. We wouldn't be here. But we are. First of all, that's a miracle in itself. But it correlates to who He made us to be. Why would He do it this way? Why would He put these burdens on us? It's for this reason, friends. Because God didn't intend to do away with us. God intended for us to be trained as a discipline, to be realigned with what is true and right in His holy ways. What we lose is the connection with God. What we lose in sin is always pain. We we always lose goodness and we experience pain. Think about this. Think about the way people have sinned against you. Think about the ways in which you have sinned in your life. The cost of sin is terrible. It always brings pain. Here, in very specific ways, God is saying, when you sin, you will feel the rod. Believer or unbeliever, sin brings pain, always. But God is a God of mercy. He's willing to forgive. He will show us the pain of going away from Him, and He will help us to realign with what is true. Let's ask this question. How long will this pain last? How long must we endure? How long must we bear and groan under this, this weight of the curse that is on us? Well, he tells us. Look at the way he says it. To Adam, he said all of these things. And he says, thorns, oh, in the end of this, cursed is the ground because of you, the end of verse 17. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. This pain will not end until death. Only death will bring an end to the burden under which we groan, which is the result of this sin. And so he continues, Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you will, you shall return. Work itself is cursed here. Now, you might think, again, as a female, I just won't have children, I won't have to deal with that. Not true. Every female over a certain age knows this. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, because Adam is the head here, all work will bring thorns and thistles. And you can't say, I just won't be a farmer or a gardener, so I won't deal with thorns and thistles. No, those are, those are symbolic. They represent the opposition and the difficulties and the pain of all work. So, if you're a teacher, you will have thorns and thistles as a teacher. If you are a doctor, if you, if you are a musician, if, if you are an engineer, if you're in finance, if you're a builder, whatever you do, there will be difficulty. There will be difficulty in your tasks. There will be difficulty in, your, in the relationships and all of the things that have to do with accomplishing your work. Why? God's causing us to groan now through this. He's put pain on it. What is He doing? Well, He's training us. He's teaching us. These thorns and thistles are difficult. And it will last. 
till death, till you return to the ground. Can't say this enough. We can only make it worse with more sin. Sin is so bad. Sin is always better understood after it has been committed because you understand the pain of it. You understand the trouble that it brings. Well, what, where can we go? What help? What hope is there? What happens next after these curses are decreed? What happens next? You would think maybe from Adam there would be a, a poem of lament and they would be removed immediately. Well, they are removed pretty quickly, but something else happens and we have to pay attention to this. There's a miracle here. The next thing is Adam names his wife. The woman is now named Eve. And it says why. The man called his wife, verse 20, Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now, she hasn't had a child yet. Why would Adam name her life? That's what he names her. Eve, your name is going to be Eve. Your name means life. Well, what's going on there? They just received this curse. This is the worst day of his life. Well, Adam now is doing something that he didn't do shortly before. Adam heard something of God's word when he cursed the serpent. He's now doing what he should have done when he didn't obey and keep God's word. When God said, the seed of the woman... God showed that there would be a Redeemer. God showed that there would be one who would remove death, who would remove the curse, who would remove all of these things, who would lift the pain of sin off of them. And this one would come from her. So he calls her life. But what Adam is doing, and he's showing faith in God's Word now, he's realigning with what he ought to have done as a man he is hearing God's word. He is acknowledging that a redeemer will come from her. He had some comprehension of mercy. God promised death. And yet, death came with mercy. He didn't withdraw his blessing from them to be fruitful and to multiply. God intends for things to happen, and he doesn't change his mind. We mess things up with sin. Verse 21, something else happens, which is miraculous, which is amazing. And the Lord God made for Adam and Eve, made for Adam and his wife, garments of skins and clothed them. Now, what we have here is something that Adam couldn't have thought of in this state yet. We have the first sacrifice. When Adam and, and his wife were covered with shame and they knew they were guilty, they tried to cover themselves with fig leaves. And, and it, it seems ridiculous because it is. It seems insufficient because it is. And in that we have a picture that we see through the rest of the Bible with this theme of how we can be covered to be appropriately dressed before God. The theme of our righteousness and our guilt. When you are clothed, you are welcomed with God if you are clothed in righteousness. If you try to clothe yourself, it is not sufficient. It's ridiculous. Just like the fig leaves. But God here, God causes the first sacrifice. The first shedding of blood is by God in light of 
human sin. Friends, here's another issue that is through the Bible. The only way to deal with sin, it says in Hebrews 9.22, that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Sin can't be removed without the shedding of blood. But here there is the shedding of blood. And here there is a covering. And I want you to notice this specifically, where the fig leaves were insufficient to cover their shame. God took the initiative to make them coverings. God is the one that took the initiative to show them mercy when they deserved wrath. This here, we have again a picture of God's great character. And we have this sort of summary of a reflection of a sufficient sacrifice. If the curse says, all the days of your life, in other words, this will last till you die, then the the only ending of the curse is through death. We have in here the need for a sacrifice. We have in here the promise of life. And once again, we see that all the Scriptures are pointing us to Christ. That He is the one that was promised by God's curse to the serpent. He is the one whose death was needed to remove sin. He is the one who covers us with His righteousness. And He is the one that though we groan under the burden of this sin, gives us life even now. We can realign with God's purposes. We can live the way He made us to live, male and female, through this life. And we have the sure hope that is promised in Romans 8. Such an amazing passage. This is what's happening. I'm going to read this and we will end with this. This is about Christ and our hope. Remember this passage that starts with, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because He's a sufficient covering. For, down in verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from the bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Friends, Christ is our hope as we groan through this curse, as we align with what God has made us to be and to be stewards of His Word. We have hope that we are being saved even as we groan through it. Let's pray.